Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Called to greatness. Say called to greatness. Meaning this, making the greatest possible difference with the rest of your life. I'm going to scratch you where you're itching, all right? Is that cool? I'm going to scratch. And and I know a lot of you people are at this place. So listen up and and you're going to, we're going to help you in your frustration, in your restlessness in life. Listen up because I think this is fantastic. Um, Peter Parker, he was an ordinary guy. You know who I'm talking about. He was this geeky teenager. Got bitten by a radioactive spider. Also goes the story in the comic strip. Uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, you know the story. Suddenly, Mr. Everyday Guy, say everyday guy, began to discover he had acquired amazing powers, which he ultimately decided to use to fight evil and do good Became this nice superhero. But there's more. Say, there's more. So in the movie version of Spider-Man, in the saga, Peter Parker, now realizing he had this great power, he has to make a difference. Say, have to make a difference. And he makes this thought-provoking statement. And he says this. Now listen. He says this. For me, he says, this is Peter Parker, not me. Peter Parker says this. Peter Parker says, in the movie, I remember it. Who remembers the movie? He says, for me, the choice to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. So can I infer this morning that when you got saved, that's it. You're spoiled for the ordinary. You can't go back to the ordinary life. You've just realized, oh my God, this is what I was born for. Connection to God. Ah, and he has a plan for me. For I know the plans I have for you. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. A plans not to harm you, but a plans of a future and a hope. A future and a hope. That's very important to have at the start of 2016. So you just don't want to go ambling through 2016. Go, oh, it's another year. 2016. Oh, okay. I find it funny. I can remember writing in my school book the the, the date, because we had to write the date in our school books at the top of our page. It was one of the first things we did. Did. After we did the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, Lead us not into getting the cane, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. What a way to start your your class in a public school. What sort of days are we talking about? Uh, Well, I have to concede that it was 1968. And I remember writing the date, 1968 at the top, and I'm, I'm thinking... When I wrote 19, this is a vivid memory, when I wrote 1968 at the top of my page, I thought, boy, 
I'm getting old. I'm 10 years old. Man, I've got to start doing something with my life. 10 years old, man, what have I done with my life so far? <laughs> well, you can guess maybe how old I am now. For me, the choice to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. That's what, that's what the everyday guy said, Peter Parker. No one's to settle for a normal life. I'm asking you the question. Does, does anyone want to settle for the normal life? Here's a statement. We hunger for purpose and meaning. We know there is more. Your life should matter. Yes. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I'm excited for 2016. One of the key things a pastor or a business owner or even a family, a mother, a father for their children, for their business, for their church is to have vision at the start of the year. If you have no clear, that's why we go on holidays. That's why we pay $20 a night and go camping and just hang out with the Lord. Amen? And it doesn't cost you a lot, but you can get away. Amen? And uh, we went away and we just got blessed by God. We sought God. We did a lot of beach walking, uh, a lot of prayer time. And I feel really clear-minded and I, my eyes are open, spiritual eyes are open to see on the horizon of this great church. I can see this church filled. I can see incoming. I can see souls coming in. And I can see you people being mobilized to be a witness in your sphere of influence. And of course, then people who are lonely, David Bowie said before he died, he said, one thing that I've just been desperate about and, and been upset about is that there's no answers to the loneliness of people, meaning that you can have $100 million, you can have 25 albums that are absolutely revered in the rock, you can be a rock god, but you can be lonely, you can be lonely, you can have a supermodel wife, you can live in a penthouse in New York and Manhattan, $100 million in the bank, but you can be lonely, because all these songs are about being isolated. Ground control to Major Tom. Circuit's dead, something's wrong. Floating in a tin can, far above the world. Tell my wife I love her very much. She knows. <laughs> Jesus. Then I, then I heard yesterday he had a Buddhist funeral. Very clever guy. I love this guy. I love him because I love the seeking he was doing. I love seekers. I don't care if they're barking up the wrong tree. I don't care if they're Muslims or Buddhist or Maha, Mishnah, whatever. I, I love seekers. I can't help it. I love people. I, 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 love, I love gay people. Is that all right to say? Of course it is. I love them. There was a beautiful couple there last night, wasn't there? They don't know if they're checking my hair out or, or, or they're just wondering. Might have to get rid of the haircut, man. It's attracting the wrong attention. <laughs> For those, this is not my normal haircut. This is... One famous philosopher said, the greatest use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. Creating a foundation, giving to God, honoring Him, 
and serving the worthy causes of humanitarian need, but the local church that offers the greatest answer. David, I wish you had known this, David Bowie. The greatest answer, the greatest remedy for the loneliness of people is Jesus. He's just so wanting to connect with people supernaturally by your spirit, your body, your soul, what's your soul, your mind, your will, your heart, your emotions, and your spirit, the eternal part of you that's bound for this way, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock it for a sausage roll, yeah, right. Uh, That's the other song, isn't it, that we're actually dancing to. Uh, highway to hell. Okay, hang on. We, we, had to, we found ourselves dancing at this wedding. We like to dance. We like to have fun. That's another thing when they see the minister. He's the minister. He's dancing. Is he allowed to do that? Is he allowed to do that? No, you can't do that. He's supposed to be miserable. We love to dance at weddings and we danced last night. But I think it was at Ollie's wedding, we were actually dancing, highway, and all the Christians would go, awkward, awkward. <laughs> so we, we actually changed the lyrics, and we actually ended up singing, highway to heaven. And Evan was being very dramatic about heaven. Guys, heaven, remember, not hell, heaven. And, and Evan was doing his darndest to relay the message that it was heaven we were bound for, not hell. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) One famous philosopher said, the greatest use of our lives is to spend it for something that will outlast us. The wisdom of God's word. The Bible suggests the lasting meaning in our lives, and this is a paraphrase, I guess, of the Bible, the lasting meaning in our lives is not just something we want. And I love my caravan. I just got, I've gone from a $2,000 caravan to a $50,000 caravan. And really, I thought when I got that caravan, that was it. I would be happy, Jeff. I would have arrived in the estate of euphoria, of of assumed all things possible by the desires of my heart, and that I would languish in this mobile luxury five-star hotel called my caravan, ensuite solar power, 150 watt panels. I could go on technically more and more, but ladies, you'd be bored. Um, and, and, and it was good for two days, three days, and then I went, it's just a caravan. Actually, I want to go for a walk. <laughs> I'm tired of this caravan. It's seemingly when you get something, it doesn't satisfy. Because inside you is this vacuum of eternity. Nothing that you acquire in this life will satisfy the restlessness Even if you got a nice home and that beautiful six-inch deep grass, I've never seen grass like at this place, at this beautiful Bells Resort. We were literally walking through the grass. It was, the grass was like coming up around our ears and we we finally got, and and everyone's mentioning the grass and all the poor ladies were really battling with their shoes and the bride especially was desperately trying to walk through this thick grass. And as magnificent as it was, and as, it, and as, as much I would like that grass, I am at an age now that I know that better grass around my home is not the answer for my life. 
The caravan is not the answer to my life. The clothes I wear, although I love clothes. I love this shirt, Jesse. I tried to take the shirt back, it didn't fit. And I, we, we, we just got another one, blue one. You got a blue one and you didn't get, what's this material called? Linen. linen. And it's not linen. And Jesse's now really upset. Take it back. I bought you a white linen shirt. I don't care where you get the right size from, but get it. Take that blue one back. That was not my heart for the purchase. So we took it back. I had to get the right. And now she's happy. Now she's looking at me and going, doesn't look, Dad. You, you helped buy it too, didn't you, Evan? Because you like, you, you like white too, don't you? You like white. But the shirt was great, and it is great. But still, there's a longing in my heart, a restlessness in my heart that only can be fulfilled in touching upon the eternal purposes of God, the eternal plan of God for my life. I was born to worship. I can worship a caravan. I can worship a lawn. I can worship my house. I can worship money. I can worship my wife, my children, and I used to. That was the only thing that was stopping me going into ministry, is my children were sacred, were prized possessions. Do not touch my children, devil. And we put parameters around them, prayed, pleaded the blood of Christ, became watchmen on the watchtower, around their life. They could not move or do anything unless we knew about it. And then God calls a man and woman after a burning bush experience like Moses. He's an everyday guy. He's just going about his life. He's got a full-time job. He can't even take holidays. He's got a a flock, full-time flock. He's got a full-time family. This guy's 24-7. And God comes to him and says, Moses, Philip, you calling me? I'm pointing to this Philip, by the way. You calling me? Now it's got to be someone. It's Ra. You mean you, you mean God? You mean Ra? Not not Philip. Ra. Him, Philip. He says again. What do you want with me? Burning bush. Counter with God. You went to see three Tugra. You encountered the living God. I don't know how it happened. You went bush. You went to Uluru, the big rock. You did. You met all the white, bearded, elderly, Anglican church type intercessors, godly men and women of God. I met the Aboriginal elders, saw an epiphany of God. Or was it Peter Garrett? I don't know. It was God. Okay. He's always singing about the great rock and... Full-blown encounter, a burning bush. The, the bush was not consumed. Is that right, Steve? And God calls Steve. See, Steve's a Salvation Army officer. He served God. He loves God. He's, he's been there and done that. He studied himself up, approved. He had that burning bush experience in a spirit-filled church, in Frank Houston's church all those years ago. He told me that 25 years ago, maybe. He's been on a journey ever since, seeking God, seeking after that which will satisfy this vacuum, this hunger, this restlessness. I've been going to C3 Tungra, I'm still not happy. Why? Because you're not invested your life 
into the eternal purposes of this church. I've left the notes behind. Is that all right? I'm gully raking right now. I'm on a flow. I'm like a man possessed. I've got passion. I sat next to another pastor from another church. I won't mention that church, but I'm praying for that church because that pastor, he seemed a little bit flat. And he said to me, you seem to have a lot of passion. I said, yeah, I'm excited for 2016. I, I did an Evan on him. I'm excited. And, 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 he, and he brought us said, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And, and, and I felt myself having to lift the spirits up of this young pastor who's really in the throes of realizing ministry is hard. Being a mother is hard. Being a father when your children are hurting is hard. Life is hard. Being a minister of a people that you're leading out of, the, out of, the, out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses is saying, you're calling me to do that? That's not me. I stutter. Ask my brother, Aaron, he's really good. He's been to Bible college. He's so eloquent. He's he's awesome. (laughs) Moses is saying, you're asking me. What can I do? And God basically says, it's not about you, Moses. It's not about you, Steve. It's not about you, Philip. It's not about you, Ra. It's about me. I gave you the ability to speak. I gave you that ability to minister. It's all about me. I hear the cry of my people, God said. Can you hear the cry of the Central Coast? Can you hear their cry? Do do, do you care? I'll tell you a story. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Blessed to hunger and thirst. Woo, the restless ones. That passion is to make a greater difference with the rest of your life. It's from the one who gave you life. He gave his life for you. And only he can satisfy that desire to make a difference. And he will, if you will follow him into the very eternal pursuit he has made you restless for. We're talking about, I guess, the, um, the encounter of Moses. And I touched on that. And we're talking about Moses encountering the burning bush God takes that, he was really living a small life. Moses was living in a small world, small life. He wasn't dreaming of a bigger life. It is in many ways an encounter that God has reenacted with Julie and I and many people. And I know them personally. They have been touched by God, they've encountered God over the centuries and they've been set ablaze to do what God has called them to do. It is an encounter that, me, that obviously that he may be preparing you for in 2016. Your hungry heart desires things of eternity. And I want to say this, if you are restless to make a greater difference with the rest of your life, then the story of Moses at the burning bush may be a key that unlocks the door. The Bible says, and you know it, raises the curtain on this life-changing day by telling us that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Say the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was was on fire. It did not light up. It was not consumed. Exodus 3.1, let's just look at this. I need to drop some scripture in before I'm finished. 
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. You may feel yourself you're on the back paddocks of life. The Bible likens us to sheep that have gone astray. The sheep are amazing things. Someone was telling me that a sheep will keep eating grass even through a barbed wire fence. My dog has been escaping my yard by every way possible. There, there is, my yard man, was fully fortified. Um, the only thing I didn't have was underneath the fence, I didn't have foundations that went down two foot because this dog actually was like that drug lord who got out of that prison by digging under three kilometers or five kilometers and they got him out through the bathroom. They showed you the video of where he just disappeared. He went around and then his head went down. That was unusual because his head shouldn't have gone down just to have that, yeah, just to relieve himself. Uh, and uh, the security guys go, that's funny. He's bad. Anyway, the guy went through a hole and out, he's gone. Well, my dog has been doing that for about two weeks. Literally, he's been escaping. He's a little, little uh, Maltese, uh, Pomeranian, and he's just got stir crazy. I think there's a lady out there or something, and he's in a hot pursuit. He's roaming the streets. I actually got him back, and I looked into his eyes. He was not there. He was like, he was like stir crazy. He was gone. We locked him up. He was gone. We actually had about ten people over the two weeks that had returned him. Just good Samaritans. Amazing. Just so many good people out there. We found your dog. Uh, saw your number. You know, we can bring him back. And every time he got out, he got out, he got out. Um, why did I mention that? I'm not sure. But <laughs> Sheep. Then the flock to the far side, thank you, of the wilderness, you are paying attention, came to Reb the mountain. Verse two, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So he's a busy guy. Now get this, here we go. Never a vacation responsibilities. So he couldn't go on, on a holiday like Julie and I for many years. He had, a, he had a family. He was full time. But it was not a fulfilling life. He lived a small, small world it was safe, it was comfortable, but it was small. And this day, the day that he had this encounter with the burning bush, was just supposed to be another day. But God showed up and summonsed him. I believe there's, there's, a, there's an imperative in my voice, in my spirit, that is summoning you to 2016. Summoning you to greatness. Summoning you to your eternal valued life. Things that matter, your giving. Giving, what did that scripture say? We're giving, creating a foundation for our eternal life. Everything we give, all that we serve for, all that we do for Christ, all the words that we speak is for a foundation for a future day. Do you understand that? Everything we do. When the Lord, verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Moses was about to have his life totally overhauled. Moses was like many of us. We have our career niches. We 
beliefs are settled, our relationships are staked out. We even have that spot where we sit. Although some of you are mixed up. I can see that. We don't really have that in this church. You people sit anywhere. But usually in a normal church, people find their precious little spot and they sit there and that's you. But it's not enough. You have too much eternity in your heart. So the status quo is not satisfying your need for lasting significance. Statement, you need something bigger to capture your heart and give greater meaning to the years you have left. So God comes to you and something deep in your heart summons you by name. This is a prelude to Vision Sunday next, next week. See, we can give a lot of vision, but if you don't understand the eternity value of it, you won't subscribe to it. You won't engage it. Well, that's great, C3. Look, we, we appreciate all that you're doing outside. And, and C3 Nairobi sounds like a great work you're doing, starting a church in C3 Nairobi, reaching out to those multinational people, reaching out into the high school, uh, the single mothers that fell pregnant early, and we're reaching out to that program and engaging these eternal valued things. But if you never engage the eternal value of the SG youth, if your youth are coming and just coming for the fun and games, but don't connect with the eternal value of that it's God who's well pleased of those youth coming to this gathering, coming and belonging to a group called SG Youth, they're going to find themselves out, still restless. I used to go to SG Youth. I used to go to church. I sat with two ladies last night. I used to go to church. And then just a whole bunch of stuff. And, and, and I was just kept smiling. I said, yeah, that's good. I understand that. Yeah, there was problems in your church and in, uh, inconsistencies. Yeah, that's planet Earth, by the way. No church is perfect. No church is perfect. I'm not perfect, by the way. Don't, don't look at me as being perfect. And, and I just kept on smiling like Tom's smiling at me right now. And, and she really had a go at me. Got on a soapbox. You're a minister. I'm going to take it out on you. She was a very clever woman, intellectual. Oh, man, she was flying arguments at me across the table. And uh, I copped it sweet. Black eye at the end, hair all mucked up, shirt. Yeah, I was, man, who is this person they sat me with? But yeah, I said, it's all cool. Do what we're doing now. The simple theme is love God, love people. Just do that. Just do that. And, and, she, and Jenny, when she was a bit gruff, and at the end, she came up to me crying. She said, I didn't, I didn't say anything that. That offended you and literally came up crying on my shoulder. I said, I'm really sorry. That was terrible what I did. Launched an attack on you like that. I said, no, it's good. I can take that. That's what, I'm, that's what, I'm, what I do, what I'm called to do. I'm called to take the heat. I'm called to cop it sweet. And I'm called to respond in love. Jesus never reacted. He always responded. Cop it sweet. Bang. Oh, yeah, that hurts. Oh, spoke about the church, the bride. Oh, that hurts. Oh, spoke about the church. Oh, that hurts. Oh, yeah, I felt like a prize fighter, man. <laughs> Although I didn't respond. I, I, I just, just sparred. I just held my hands up, you know, like when... <laughs> she gave me a good, good working over. But at the end, she said, you know what? I'm so sorry about that. I'm just really anguished. 
I want the church to be so much better than what it is. And I said, you know what? You got a mercy gift. You got a gift of mercy. That's why you care so much about the single mothers in your church. She was on about the single mothers. Why don't we help the single mothers? Why are we giving this money to the missions? Why are we giving this money out here? Why are we helping the single mothers? It's true. We need to help. We need to do that in the house. We need to care for everyone in the house. But I said, you know what your problem is? You got a mercy gift. That's your disposition. That's you're, you're motivated by that. You will respond out of that. Everything that you see, where you see hurt and injustice, you're going to say something about it and re react to it maybe. And she said, that's amazing. I didn't know that. And I said, your husband, the chainsaw, chainsaw sculptor, big guy, toned, uh, industrial deafness now, can hardly get a word to him because he's been using chainsaws as a young kid, chainsawing big stubs, carving things. I said, you, sir, I've got a creative gift. You're thin-skinned. And, and everything impresses upon you. The weather, people's moods, people, what people think, people say to you. Because creative people are thin-skinned and they take everything in. That's how they're able to regurgitate creatively and draw and write and perform songs. Thick-skinned people like me don't do that. It's just water off a duck's back. Not really, I'm a bit creative. It does hurt, words do hurt me. And he said, he's crying now. And then I get this text message, thank you so much for that man of God that spoke into our life and helped us so much, that was amazing. They were so far out of the church, like sheep that have gone astray. Did I say the sheep that keep eating, that go through the barbed wire? They ended up, did I finish that? They end up in some far paddock. They were eating the book of Revelations or conspiracy theory. <laughs> Through the barbed wire like my little dog. <laughs> I'm going, what happened to so-and-so? They'll come into church. Oh, they're off with some revelation they got. You know, they're off with something. I don't know what they're on about. Got to stay in the pasture of his love. And all my response to that woman was love. Just love. Take it out on me. Crucify me. That's cool. I can take it. I'm not going to argue. Never argue with those people. Cop it sweet. Respond in love. Don't take it as an opportunity. Oh, gee. Okay, here we go. So God comes to you and something deep in your heart, He summons you. He knows He wants you, not just someone, but you, your destiny. Like Moses, the Lord God is inviting you to join him in a powerful mission. He's about to eternalize your life as never before. And you're about to find out what your heart has been hungering for. We're called to be rescuers. This is what God was summoning Moses to, to do. Rescue those two million Jews out of bondage into the promised land. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery, verse 7. Exodus 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I've indeed, I'm going to be quick, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Bado Bay, Kalani Vale, in Wyong, in Tugger. And I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. 
God is concerned about these people that are suffering. They don't know God. They don't know Christ. They don't know God can avail them and and repair them, heal them, restore them, give them an identity in Christ. Realize that they're made in the image of God, that they deserve to treat their body better, that they deserve to live better. They need to live dignified. People don't know that, that we're of a royal nation, a chosen generation. Do you know what that means for someone? When you feel like a, I have to say it, a scumbag? When you can go, because of what's happened to you through life and how you've been maligned and, and maybe put down by society and, and then you realize, I'm a child of God. Oh my goodness. No, I'm loved. I'm greatly loved by God. But God says here, Moses, Sitri Tugra, you sir, you madam, God says to you and he calls you through the burning bush and he says, I've heard the misery of the people of your street, of your suburb, of your region, of this central coast. And I want you to help me. I am coming, but I will come through you. My personal representative is you, as it was Moses. I'm too, Moses said, I'm too busy. I'm full time. I've got a whole flock here. I can't even have a, a time off. No holidays. Uh, man, I, I, I've, I've got a full-time family. Like you got the wrong person. Go to the other guy. He's, he's got three days off a week. No, he came to Moses. And he was going to expand Moses' life from the little life, from the small world he was living in. We need to get out of the small world. Here's a story, quickly. Cold January evening in 1982 when the plane taking off with passengers headed for sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida, developed ice on its wings, on its engine, enough to bring the plane down as it tried to clear Washington's 40th Street Bridge. Suddenly the jet struck the bridge and then fell into the frigid waters of the Pontomac, I think it's pronounced. Some passengers managed to get out before the plane sank and they cried for help in the icy waters as they tried to stay afloat in the icy river. Lenny, this has to be an American name, Lenny Skucknick had just, or is it a Jewish name, I'm not sure, had just left work and he was walking nearby. He saw the plane go down, heard the cries of the passengers in the water and jumped into the river to try to help. Fighting the current and the cold, he managed to save the life of a woman who otherwise would have almost died in that river that night. A couple of weeks later, everyday guy, everyday Moses, everyday you and I, everyday Lenny Skucknick was introduced as a real American hero at this big President's Award night or something on national television by the President of the United States. That's what it's like for us as the believers. God hears the cries of the enslaved and hurting people. That's why He sent Moses to the Jews. That's why He sent Jesus, John 3, 16, His one and only Son, to the world He loves, to people enslaved by sin. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 12, without hope, without hope and God in their world. I can almost imagine Moses' reaction is he heard that God was going to come down to rescue his suffering people. Yes, that's awesome, God. That's awesome that you want to bless people. These people need a rescuer. I'm glad you're going to change things, God. And then came the shocking words. 
that would change Moses' life forever. So now go, Exodus 3.10. Can I just have that up quickly? So now go, Dave. Go, Phil. Go, Steve. Go, Evan. Go, Andrew. So now go, I am sending you. Suddenly Moses excited. Hooray went to, oh. C3 Tugger want me to engage in the bigger version of my life, the bigger vision for God and what He wants for the planet. I, I'm not sure I'm up for that. I can't hardly speak properly. This is what Moses actually said in Scripture. He, he was a stutterer maybe. He wasn't an eloquent speaker. I'm full-time God. I've got all these sheep. I've got a full-time family. I can't do it. God was planning an incredible rescue mission for the Israelites, that is. And he was summoning Moses to join him. Lord was asking the everyday guy to hear the cries of dying people, abandoned, abandoning like this Lenny, somebody, abandoning personal safety to rescue the people who would die if they stayed where they were. It, it's maybe where we're at, at this crossroads of 2016, thinking, my goodness, I feel like I'm drawn in these days of calamity, these days of tension on the planet, these days of turmoil. I actually think I need to engage God on another level. I feel as though I'm being summoned. Maybe you already had a burning bush experience. Maybe you already need a burning bush. God's preparing you to have a burning bush experience. God will rescue the people in your personal world through a personal representative, you and I, through His Moses. That is you, that is me. We are the rescuers God sends into a hurting, desperate world. And all the stirring in your soul for something bigger, something more, not a bigger caravan, not a better house, not six inch thick, beautiful lawn. He actually may be preparing you for the summons of God to join Him in 2016 for the vision through your local church, C3 Tugra, the rescue mission for the spiritually dying people. David Bowie, I'm sorry, but there is, a, there, is a, there is a purpose. There is a mission on the planet. It's been here forever and it's God reaching out to those lonely people. And it's through the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And it's through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through Father God's love, it comes through you and I. Yes, you're just living an everyday life, a small life, life maybe, a small world life. But I'm telling you, to those that love Him, according to His eternal purposes and plans in heaven. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.